Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, we're going to preach the word. If you'd like to open your Bible up to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. A couple of things I just want to say real quick before we start. One is, I want to first time that I know of that uh, we have had a Facebook Live going on. So right now, I want to welcome the people that are here on Facebook with us today. And they're almost here. Is that what you're saying? They'll be here in a minute. They're, oh, 25 or 30 people are with us today. So that's great. I'm so glad. That's great. Thank you, Anson, for making that possible. And we're so glad that you guys... Uh, have decided to join us as well this morning. And then also, I want to uh, be sure and mention, I, we, we don't always do this or even normally do it, just in general. You know, if today was, uh, is, this, is this on? Did I turn it? Maybe I didn't turn it on. I need to turn it on. That helps. It's probably going to get real loud, loud right now. Sorry about that, Troy. So if today was Paul Jackson's birthday, we'd probably be like, yeah, that's cool. You know, we're glad you're born, Paul. You know, hey, happy birthday. Is today your birthday? No. I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> it's your anniversary. Woo! All right. Way to go. That's funny. I didn't know that. That's awesome. I'm, I'm proud for you guys. But today is uh, somebody's birthday that we all love. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that is a mentor, uh, uh, just a, just one of my greatest friends. He's, he helps lead our church. He's one of the, our favorite people in the world. And uh, today is Dennis Moore's 88th birthday. 88. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dennis. Happy birthday to you. And many more. That's right. Yeah, we love you, Dennis. We're very thankful for you. And we, we do want many more. We just need you to be around for about 15 or 20 more years is all, okay? So that'd be 108 right around there. We'd be perfect. Well, we're uh, just finishing up a short series of lessons. Uh, oh, I forgot to say this. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Yeah, what am I thinking? So we're finishing up a short series of lessons called In God We Trust. And um, these have been lessons about trusting God with the things that we most want control over. There are some things in our life that we think, eh, if it doesn't go my way, no big deal. Some things in our life we want control over. And I, I think for a lot of us, it's a little bit like having a remote control. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's a little bit like, you know, we, we're like, I'm going to control my relationships or I'm going to control a person. I want them to do what I want them to do. Or sometimes we uh, get this way about our circumstances. I, I can't stand to be out of control of this circumstance. I'm going to control it. I'm going to strong arm the circumstance. I'm going to make it happen the way that I believe it should happen. Last week we talked about that many of us, we want to control how things go in our church family. And we will do whatever it takes to, to 
make things happen the way that we believe they should happen. Now, obviously, we all have influence and we should all speak our input and opinion when it's appropriate to do so. We should be honest with each other. But when things don't go the way that we hope they do in our relationships, in our circumstances, in our church family, do we trust God enough to lean on Him instead of leaning on our own control? Do we trust God enough? Today we're going to talk about our desire to control our resources. Our resources. What would you say is the greatest resource that we have? I'm kind of curious to hear. Huh? Time. What were you going to say, Larry? As a biologist, I would say water. Water. Okay, he's a biologist, so he says water is our greatest resource. It could be a lot of different. What do you think, Bob? Jesus is our greatest resource. Amen. That's exactly right. Of course, that's right. We, believe, we all believe that. So there might be a lot of different you know, angles we could look at this from. But I want to look at it particularly along the lines of what Kim said today. One of our greatest resources is our time. It's very valuable. Another, another resource that we definitely have in our life is money. That's a resource in our life is money. And part of, I believe, our intense desire to control our time or to control what happens to our money comes from a perspective of scarcity. Haven't you heard people say around you, there's just not enough time? Haven't you said it before? There's just not enough time. There's not enough. On some levels, it's true. We, we feel like time is scarce. And oftentimes I've said, or we've heard people say, I just don't have enough money. If I just had this much more money, then it wouldn't be scarce anymore. I would have all I need. We have this perspective that is interesting to me about what we think about time and what we think about money. I wanted to share with you guys a text that I got from Cody Sparks this morning. I thought this was great. He's, he, he knew that I was going to be talking about money today, and I'm, only going to, I'm really not going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about time today. But he sent me this, and he said, I've been thinking about this and people's trust in God for the money supply that they have is probably closely related to their trust in Him for their toilet paper supply. <laughs> He said both of them are just paper that they really don't care about until they want to use it. <laughs> they, also have a, uh, they also have a desire to stockpile more than they really need just in case. I thought that was great. There's some truth in those things about our desire uh, to control. Control our resources. And obviously we don't want to be fools or idiots and waste everything we have we don't want to waste all of our time waste all of our money but do we trust god the the truth the truth is that god makes it clear in his word and and through his all of his time with mankind that he provides what we need god provides what we need and the question is do we trust what god says or are we leaning on our own understanding about money and about time so 
We're going to pray and then we'll read from God's Word. Every week, of course, we, we uh, have a prayer for another congregation in town. Today we're going to pray for First Christian uh, across town, First Christian Church. Uh, we're also today going to pray for, and I, and I had this with me and I left it, we're going to pray for our ministry leaders today. We pray for a different missionary. Can you hand me that bulletin down there? Thanks, Boston. We pray for uh, a different missionary every week, but today we're going to pray for our ministry leaders. These are, if you open your bulletin, you're welcome to look along with me, and I encourage you this week to be praying for these people. These are the men and women who serve at our church to lead ministries. The, the Bible in the book of Timothy calls them deacons and deaconesses. We just choose here to call them ministry leaders. These are the servants who lead in ministries. So we're going to pray for them, and, uh, and then we're just going to pray uh, a prayer about spiritual war, and we always have a topic that we pray about. So we're going we're gonna to pray about these three things, and then we'll read from God's Word. So let's, let's pray. Bow with me. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together. I thank you for the uh, two or three dozen people that are gathered on uh, Facebook live, that they're watching and joining in with us. I pray you'd bless them today. Pray that you would keep each of them safe and healthy. I pray the same for those of us that are gathered here today. Lord, we thank you for the unity of all believers. Thank you for uh, the congregations in our village today who are doing the best they can to uh, serve you and to uh, lift up the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would work today at the First Christian Church. I pray that as the pastor is preaching, that, that the gospel, the, the beautiful life of Jesus his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, that all that would be, that it would be proclaimed today, God, because we know that you draw hearts when the death of Jesus, the burial, the resurrection is proclaimed. You are the one who bring people to salvation. And so we pray that that might happen today, both there and here. Lord, we want to pray for these people. We thank you for these ministry leaders who serve at our church. I just want to name them, God, because I, I just am thankful and I love them and I, I want to lift each name up to you. I pray for Nancy Swanner, for Vanessa, for Callista, for Kristen, for John Rucker, for Jim Lindenberger, for Gary Perry and Chuck George. I thank you for Twyla. Thank you for Frank O'Dell, for Micah Woodle. Thank you for Freddie, for Wyatt, for Connor, for Jace, for Margot, for Rhonda for Paul, for Anson, for Greg, for Chuck and Betty, for Geneva, Aaron, and Sarah, and for Gary Sweat. Thank you for these servants, God. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. I pray that their, their lives would be blessed because of the service that they give, that the time they give away, God, that they would not have a sense of scarcity as they give that time away. Pray that you give them wisdom to know what to do and give them wisdom to know who to bring along beside them next that can help them as they do this work. Lord, we also just want to pray that you would awaken our eyes to the spiritual war in this world, that you would help us, God, to see that uh, there, there is truly uh, the devil, that he is real, and that he is working to kill, steal, and destroy. I pray, Lord, that we would turn our face toward You. That we would depend on You completely. And that at each 
temptation, each moment, each struggle, that You, Holy Spirit, would speak to us and guide us and counsel us, convict us of sin, give us comfort, and lead us. Lord, we thank You for Your Word, and now as we study today, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that You would uh, teach us through the power of Your Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We pray all this through the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Let's stand one more time out of honor for God's Word. And uh, let's read all together our text today from Proverbs chapter 3. Let's read it out loud. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. This is the Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Like I said, we're going to talk about time mainly today. And we'll let you apply these things to money. This part of God's Word in Proverbs chapter 3 really makes us a promise that God will make our paths straight. God will make our paths straight. That means there are some crooked paths. There are some paths that, that go all over the place, that lead away from what is right, that lead away from the Lord. And why in the world would anyone take a path that leads away from the Lord? And I'll tell you, in my opinion, it's because those paths look great. They're tempting. They look awesome. They look fun. They look like they make sense common sense sometimes they look like they make good financial sense or good sense for our relationships or good sense for my family and we start to walk down them and as we get a little ways down we find out this path is crooked this is leaning on my understanding not leaning on god and his word and what he says and I believe God patiently and persistently invites us off of crooked paths. If you're on a path today that is away from the Lord, God is wooing you. God is calling your name. God is inviting you back to straight paths. So, even when we don't understand God's Word, do we trust Him with all of our heart? When we read something and we think, that doesn't make sense to me. Do we still trust God with all our heart? Or are we leaning on our own understanding? So let's talk about time. Let's talk about time a little bit. Do you trust the Lord with your time? What a strange question. Do you trust the Lord with your time? What in the world does that mean? I'll say it means a couple of things. It might mean a lot of things, but I'm going to talk about two of them today. It means, first of all, this. If God tells you, if the Word tells you to do something with your time, do you trust Him enough to obey, even if it doesn't make sense to you? Or it's not the way that your personality is bent? Will you trust what the Bible says? Will you trust what the Lord says? And it also means a second thing. If God's timing doesn't match your timing, do you trust God? So let's talk about those two things. First of all, what does God tell us to do with our time? 
So first of all, I want to talk to those of you in here who would consider yourselves to be workaholics. Kind of like this guy. He was starting to take his tie off and go rest, and then he remembered how many sticky notes he had and how many things he had to do, and he went back to work and forgot his tie was tied around his nose. I wonder how many of you would admit, I kind of lean toward being a workaholic. Maybe not totally, but I lean that direction. How many of you would say that about yourself? I kind of lean toward that, okay? I'm in this group. I kind of lean toward working probably uh, sometimes more than is healthy. So, if that's you and that's me, then then this verse that I'm going to read, I'm going to read a verse from Exodus. I want us to listen close to what the Lord says. It says it to everyone, but specifically to us workaholics. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day made it holy. I'm not trying to be legalistic about this. I'm not trying to tell everybody that you have to go rest for 24 hours starting at sunset on this day until sunset the next day. This is a principle in the Bible that is true. When was the last time you workaholics took a day to relax? When was the last time you workaholics took a walk and you weren't counting your steps for the day? Or you weren't going somewhere to pick something up to accomplish something? When was the last time that you workaholics sat down on your porch or sat down beside your house and just sat still without a phone? That's right, Jan. Exactly. Just hypothetically, if there was any person like that in the world, I mean. What about, when was the last time that you workaholics, in the middle of the day, took a nap? When is the last time that you workaholics slowed down enough to feel the sunshine on your face? The gift of God's Son shining down from the sky. Breathe in the mountain air. Look around at the deer, the pests in our our village. (laughs) If you can't find any deer, just look for tourists pulled over on the side of the road taking pictures. That's where they are. When is the last time for you workaholics that you spent some time accomplishing Nothing. Zero. If it's been a while, then you might, you might be trusting in your own understanding instead of trusting God's principle in the Bible. Why would God instruct His people to rest on a regular basis. Why would He do that? I'm going to give you two reasons why God would instruct us to rest. First, we are created, our bodies, this is just biological, we're created for a certain amount of rest. 
And so is our mind, and so is our, is our relationships and, and emotions. We're created for a certain amount of rest. Think about who this was written to. It's Exodus chapter 20. It was written to Israelites who had been slaves for 400 years. What have they been doing for 400 years? Their entire life was solid work. Probably seven days a week. Probably sun up to sundown. Obeying their taskmasters. Keeping up with a quota of bricks that had to be made this week. That's who it's written to. And of course, we aren't slaves anymore, right? Yeah. Are we? Maybe. Are we slaves to our jobs? Are we slaves to our insatiable desire to feel valuable by what we accomplish or by the amount of money that we make? We were not created to be slaves to our schedules. We were not created to be slaves to a seven-day work week. We were not... Co- We were not created to be slaves to constant tasks that have to be completed every minute of every day. I encourage you and me, us workaholics, rest. You were created for a rhythm. Work, 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 work. Rest. Repeat. That's the rhythm that God created you for. And it's not a legalistic deal that has to be all in a 24-hour period. It's about a rhythm and a balance in life. The second reason that God would tell us to rest is because it reminds us that He is in control and you and me are not in control. If you are a workaholic, this may come as a great shock to you. It did to me when I realized it. When you take a break, the world does not fall apart. The world just goes on fine. God goes on working when you step aside for a little while. So rest. It will remind you that you are not God. And that's a good thing to remember. You are not God. God is God. And He's got it. He's got it, folks. So, Workaholics rest. Now I got another group of people to talk to about time, what you do with your time. And that is the couch potatoes. I wonder if any of you would be willing to admit that you're a couch potato. Anybody in here willing to say, I'm kind of a couch potato. I got got one, two, three, there's okay a few. Got some couch potatoes, okay. Some honest people in here. Got also some couch potatoes who are liars. I got got that too. You, You didn't want to raise your hand, it's okay. Do you trust God enough to work hard? Do you trust God enough to work hard? Listen to what God says in His Word about, it's about time and it's about work. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, go to the ant, like little guys crawling around on the ground. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Whoa, man, God's pretty harsh. He calls it like it is. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer, gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Wow. 
When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity, oh, there it was, scarcity, like we were talking about, like an armed man. I heard about a a man and woman who were getting married, and years later the wife said, I should have known I was marrying a lazy man. I should have known it. When his mom said to me, It's not so much like I'm losing a son as gaining a couch back. Yeah. She said, I should have known. When my my mother-in-law said that, I should have known that I was marrying a lazy man. We're not meant to be slaves, but we also weren't created to be lazy. God gave us this great, great gift. Awesome gift. It's an amazing gift. And it's a four-letter word. Starts with a W and ends with irk. It's an awesome, amazing thing that God blessed us with. In fact, have you ever considered that Adam and Eve were given work to do when they were in the Garden of Eden? That's the perfect place. That's the place where everything's just as it should be. He gave them work to do there. That's before the fall. It's before the curse that God put on the earth. In fact, if we look carefully, it's very probable, it's definitely my opinion, it's very probable that there will be work and responsibility in the new heavens and the new earth. Work is a gift. If you struggle with laziness, listen to this scripture. I think this helped me. When I was younger, I think I was maybe a little lazy and maybe I've swung the pendulum too far the other way in my life. But when I was young, this really helped me to read what God said in Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. This is what he says. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. There's much more that could be said. Lots more that could be said about what God says for us to do with our time. All kinds of things. But I'm just going to leave it there for today. Work hard and then rest and then repeat. Work hard, then rest, and then repeat. This is the rhythm God gave us for our time in our life. Now, do you trust God when He tells you what to do with your time? That's the first thing. Here's the the last part of the sermon, and that is this. Do you trust God's timing? His timing. I wonder if you've ever heard this quote before. God is seldom early, but He's never... That's right. God is seldom early, but He's never late. I think that's a really nice bumper sticker. I think it's a great thing to hang up in your bathroom on a little picture to read. It certainly contains the truth that God, His timing is right. It definitely definitely has that in there, that His timing is correct. But ask a few people, ask a few people in certain moments, exact moments of their life, 
if God was ever late. Ask Joseph. Ask Joseph when his brothers threw him down in a well. And then they sold him into slavery. And he was carted off to a foreign land that he'd never been to. Ask him right in those moments. Is God ever late? Ask Daniel. As he's being lowered down into a den of hungry lions and he's wearing a name tag that says lunch. Just ask him at that exact moment right then, is God ever late? Ask Jonah when he's bobbing up and down in the sea and then beginning to sink under the water and some huge creature is swimming his way. He's about to give up and can't hold his breath any longer. Ask him, is God ever late? Ask Paul. Ask Paul when he sat in prison for a a long time because of his faith. As he sat there, ask him this. Is God ever late? Ask John the Baptist as he lays his neck out on a chopping block. Ask him right at that moment. Is God ever late? Ask ask a Christian grandma who who prays for her grandson or her grandchildren or whatever. And as she lays on her deathbed and she thinks, well, some of them are Christians, but some of them are not. And she's taking her last breath. She doesn't know what's going to happen to her grandchildren. Ask her if God is ever late. Ask a 40-year-old man a Christian who's suffering from a debilitating terminal disease is not getting better. Ask him if God is ever late. Well, what in the world is your point, John? This is kind of depressing. Why are you telling us all this? My point is this. It's hard to trust God's timing. And I think we can come to church and we can say, oh, yes, oh, praise God, praise Jesus. We trust his timing. But it is difficult to trust God's timing. Sometimes it seems, in our own understanding, maybe that he's not paying very close attention. It's easy to stop trusting God. It's tempting to lean on my understanding during these moments. Some of you today are in tough times. Some of you have difficult circumstances. Some of you have relationships that are broken You're crying out to God for people that you love. You're wondering today, right this minute, about God's timing. Proverbs chapter 3 pleads with you, encourages you, says pray this prayer even though it may not be the emotion you feel. Lord, I trust you with all my heart. I will not lean on my own understanding. Because if I did right now, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand your timing, God. But I will trust you, Lord, with all my heart. As much as I can, I want to trust you more. And I will not lean on my own understanding. 
I heard H.B. Charles, he's a pastor from Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida. He said this in a sermon. He said, there's only two times that we should trust God. Well, that got my attention. I thought, only two times to trust God? What in the world is H.B. Charles talking about? There's only two times. This is what he said. There it is. There's only two times we should trust God. When are they? H.P. Charles said, in good times and in bad times. That's the only two times. Just in good times and in bad times. Because that's all the time. That's all of life. I love that saying, but it is difficult to do. So I encourage us to pray this prayer from Proverbs chapter 3. That, Lord, we would trust you. Do this work in us, in our hearts. Help us to trust you with all of our heart. Help us to lean not on our, 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 our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge you in all our ways, every single moment of the day, every nook and cranny of our life. We believe, God, you'll make our paths straight. There's one last thing that's really difficult, I think, for humans to trust God with when it comes to time, and that's the length of our lives. The time that God has planned for each person to be on earth. Listen to Psalm 139. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, or some versions say in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Who does it sound like is in control? God is in control. Who does it sound like we should trust with the length of our life? The Lord. Because before the first day of our life, He had our life planned out. All the days planned for me. Do you trust God with the time that your life is going to end? Because the day is coming when the Bible makes it clear one of two things is sure to happen. The first one is that you're going to die. I'm going to die. It's 100% sure. We're all going to die. That day is coming. We talked about that recently. When someone passes away, and oftentimes, you know, they've been sick, or their, their age is even at an age where it seems like they've lived a long life, and our response oftentimes is, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that they passed away. It's a silly thing to say. Instead, we should say, I knew, I knew that was going to happen, and I'm sad that that happened. My heart's breaking. I'm going to miss that person. I love that person so much, but I knew that was going to happen. I can say to all of you, I know you are going to die. Or, the Bible says, if you don't, it's because the clouds are going to break open. Jesus is going to return. Either way, that's going to be the time when we meet God face to face. Time won't matter anymore. It won't make a difference anymore. And your fate's going to be one 
of these two. Either eternal life, the gift, it's a free gift of eternal life, or the second death. There's no third option according to God's Word. And only one thing is going to matter at that moment. Did you trust God? Did you put your trust in the finished work of Jesus at the cross? Or did you lean on your own understanding? Which one did you do? That will be the one thing that will matter at that moment. Now, if you've never trusted Jesus to save you, I just want you to know, as I do every week, I've been praying. Whoever gathered here, I was kind of with Josh. I thought it might just be me, Josh, Amy, and Twyla. I thought that might be who was going to be here. I, I didn't know. And Connor, yeah. And... Uh, I pray every week, no matter who's here, no matter how many people are here, God, draw people's hearts because this is His work of salvation. Draw their hearts to yourself. This is what the Bible teaches us to do. So I've been praying that this week, that you would be convinced of how trustworthy this amazing God is. That you would believe that He loves you enough to send His Son to die for you. That the miracle of salvation would happen in your life today. And if you do trust God already to save you, then I've been praying that this little bitty short series we did would challenge you and me to think, as I said, about every little nook and cranny of our lives, that we would shine the light of God's Word on those little corners that we've tried to hold control of and say, i got to do it my way. I don't care. I don't want to hear what the Bible says. I'm, gonna do, I'm doing it this way. As you read His Word, stop leaning on your own understanding. Fully relinquish this right here over to Him. Hand Him the remote control. and Let Him be in control of your life because He already is. Just acknowledge it. Acknowledge. Recognize it. Thank Him for it. Trust Him. He will make your paths straight. It might be possible that somebody here uh, may, may have trusted Jesus and you've never been baptized. And we have a baptistry that's full of, of sterile... No, I'm just kidding. We just have a baptistry that's full of water and it has some chlorine in it. We'd love to baptize you today if you've trusted Jesus to save you. If you've never been baptized before. And there may be somebody here who just... You've got something going on in your life. One of these circumstances... Something with time. Maybe you're here, but you really are very fearful about what's going on in our world and you need someone to pray with you. We're here today to pray for one another. So if you need to do that, we're going to have... Um, I think Wyatt will be here at the front. I'll be here at the front. Dennis is going to be standing at the back. Kim, you want to go to the back and pray with people if they need to pray with somebody? And so there'll be four of us that will pray with you if you would like to have prayers today. So I'm so glad you guys are here today. I really, do, I really do love our Gateway family. I'm so thankful for what we have here. And I pray that uh, this week is a good week for every single person, that God, God proves himself faithful to you. So let's stand and let's sing this song. Josh and the worship team are going to come back up. I forgot to invite you guys.